Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Ansero, Managing Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. Huntington disease is an incurable, progressive, neurodegenerative condition that is ultimately fatal, and the field of research into this devastating disease saw a setback a few months ago with the end of two clinical trials for a type of possible therapy, both from Roche and Wave Life Science. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we bring you an excerpt of an interview originally conducted by Neurology Live with Dr. Daniel Klassen, Director of the Huntington's Disease Clinic and Division Chief of Behavioral and Cognitive Neurology at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center. He discussed the trial terminations and what this means for patients with this disease, but he also reviews some other candidates in the pharmaceutical pipeline, as well as patient-reported outcomes and the possibility of wearable sensors. First question, obviously, you know, recent news about Roche's discontinuing Generation HD1 and then uh, Wave, you know, a week and a half, 10 days, somewhere in that later, uh, they decided to put a halt on the precision program. Uh, So I'm curious just sort of what your thoughts were when, you know, those two pieces of news broke, obviously a bit of a hit to the community in general, but just kind of where, you know, I mean, where you were thinking in terms of when you heard that news. I, I would say that this has been a very difficult uh, number of weeks for patients, for families, uh, for caregivers, for physicians, for uh, all the HD team. Um, I think there was so much hope that was placed in the idea of the antisense oligomer approach to knock down Uh, mutant Huntington and the um, potential that that would have a disease modification that I think many of us were surprised, if not taken aback at the announcement first that the Generation HD uh, study was paused and second that the um, results from WAVE's um, SNP program uh, were not um, encouraging enough for them to continue the program. So I I would just say, first of all, there's been a lot of frustration, a lot of um, discouragement, um, a lot of um, maybe anger in some of our patients from from experiencing this. And so it's been a really difficult week. I I would say that what's interesting that I've noticed through through this, these last several weeks, especially, has been how the community has come together. I think there've been a number of, opportunities for for patients and families to listen to experts to talk about these programs and what they mean for the future of Huntington's. There's also been great opportunities for clinicians to get together through the Huntington study group, through the Huntington's disease community, uh, for instance, HDSA, to talk about these results. So I I think also, I've also seen a lot of resilience um, in the community, but but let's not um, sugarcoat it. It's been a tough it's been a tough couple of pills to swallow in terms of expectations for how these trials would shape the future of Huntington's disease treatment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then, you know, speaking toward, you know, Toma Nurse specifically that, you know, a pause, Roche puts a pause on the trial. I'm curious, you know, that seemed like it was, 
you know, at least from what we had heard, sort of heading in a, a positive direction. So I, I'm just curious what you think of that approach and whether or not, you know, you think there's still, you know, ground to gain there. I mean, obviously, and we can get to it in a minute with the SNPs, Wave still has its, you know, its third agent targeting uh, SNP3. So I would imagine there's still a future there and we can talk about that. But uh, with Tominersen specifically, what, you know, what were your thoughts on where, where it looked like it was at, at least at the time? Sure. Well, I think in just remembering how this uh, treatment came to be, you know, there were very rigorous uh, early phase studies which showed a dose um, reduction in CSF mutant Huntington. So I think at the onset, it was thought that this drug was hitting its target. There were a couple things that were reported that were sort of head scratchers. For instance, um, uh, NFL, neurofilament light chain, seemed to increase in certain patients. And I, I think that, you know, was, was certainly a head scratcher and maybe something that um, was suggesting either some safety or off-target effect or something that was, wasn't expected. Suffice to say that I think, you know, it's clear that the way the study was run uh, was, I think, exceptionally well done. Um, it's a global study. There has been tremendous uh, detail run uh, from on the on the on the part of of generate of the generation HD investigators and team. So I think it really I think we have to step back and say, well, we've got to look at the data. Um, they haven't disclosed really what the rationale for stopping the data. There's there's a hope that they will disclose uh, more information at the next CHDI conference. But I think to get to your question about where does this put Tom Nurson, I think we'll have to see, you know, should we have done it in earlier patients? Is the dosing uh, as it's currently being given? Is there some safety issues that we need to be cautious about? Um, are there certain subgroups of patients that we need to think about in designing a trial to, to better uh, understand the proper inclusion and exclusion criteria for this type of design? So I think those kind of questions are still still out, but, I, but, but certainly, um, yeah, I don't know if it's the end of Tom and Erson, but I think there's going to have to be some really deep diving into some of the data, especially some of the wearable data, for instance, um, some of the MRI data, um, some of the clinical outcomes measures in deciding what clinical outcomes we should use for these types of trials and, and look forward to deciding whether or not to continue with this therapy or not. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously the data would be helpful, you know, whether positive or negative, at least we can learn something from it. So yeah, I, I would look forward to that, at least something being released to some extent to try to try to shape that up. And, and, and then speaking toward sort of the future of SNP targeting, you know, Wave, Wave mentioned even in, you know, their, their releases about the discontinuation of precision program that they do have this third agent uh, Wave W or WVE003. So I'm curious, you know, Obviously, a bit of a blow to the SMP targeting with with the outcomes here with uh, 101 and or 120-101 and 120-102. But what are your thoughts, sort of, on the promise of that? And, and you know, obviously, the 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 base science is there. So I'm curious, you know, where where you think that puts the SMP the SNP targeting at? Yeah, I think there there is at least uh, intellectually something attractive about modifying you know allele specific mutant Huntington. I think it's important to remember that the WAVE program was at a completely different level in terms of stage than 
than the Generation HD program. And this was really a dose finding and uh, phase one target validation study. And the target that they, they, they looked for the SNP one and two obviously didn't meet the pre-specified uh, endpoints. So I think they're still interested, in, as I understand it, still interested in pursuing this allele specific approach. And they're going back to the drawing board, so to speak, with some novel uh, um, design of this ASO, uh, novel um, SNP, and uh, go back to the process. I don't think they're um, that we should, you know, consider ASOs to be um, something that we don't want to look at anymore, or something that's going to go by the wayside. I think it's just the, the challenge with doing these first in human studies, and and we definitely are feeling that with 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 wave right now with with the results of the SNP one and two. And then you know, obviously, there's there's still you know, again, you know, you, like you said, it's, it's tough to sugarcoat this, you know, it's been a, a tough past couple of weeks for the, for the community, but so what are your thoughts, you know, speaking to the rest of the pipeline and just the research that's ongoing, obviously, you know, Huntington's, you know, pretty difficult disease to treat. So I'm curious where you're at in terms of the state of the pipeline, you know, what's still in, what's still in development, or at least, you know, that's making its way through that you think might also have some promise, you know, what, where can the community kind of turn to now following this news? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I'd say is, you know, I have just amazed with how many different approaches and different uh, therapies are currently in development for Huntington's disease um, for a, rare disease, so to speak, there are a tremendous amount of different therapies at different stages that are coming down, which really does give us optimism that uh, we're, we're not giving up and we're still trying. I think the ones to remember that are going on right now is the AAV uh, mediated uh, uh, genetic therapy uh, trials. Unicure is currently um, continuing their study. They just uh, had a recent announcement uh, showing that they were uh, had hit the next uh, landmark for that study, and they're continuing to do that study for for patients with Huntington's disease. Voyager uh, has an AAV product that is in the pipelines and getting ready uh, to to start their program. And then there are other uh, studies like Novartis has a oral uh, Huntington lowering therapy, and then there are other. Uh, studies, uh, other companies, PTC, for instance, or, or even some other approaches using zinc fingers or uh, even other RNA approaches that are in different stages of development. So I, I would say for the Huntington's community, those of us that take care of Huntington's disease, I think all of us are just amazed at how many different therapies are in different stages of development. Um, and, I, and so I think it's a really uh, hot topic to be Kind of uh, aware of uh, as these trials come online and as they report their results. Um, and, and it's an exciting time to be in, in drug development for Huntington's. Um, as you know, the gene was discovered in 93 and now it's uh, 2021 and we are now getting to these exciting times where we're looking at how to um, improve this, the lives of patients who suffer from this terrible disease. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it does certainly speak to, you know, that the how rapidly all this has kind of happened when you, especially when you compare it to some other, 
diseases, particularly sort of across the wider breadth of neurology and, you know, how, how long it's taken some of them to get going. So considering, you know, from 93 to now, you know, just 30 years later, we're already making these large advances. I'm wondering, you know, for you, what, what are kind of the steps that still need to be taken? Obviously, you know, like you just mentioned, there's, there's a lot of hope in the pipeline, but what are some of those like main challenges that potentially could be addressed in, in, you know, the short term that, that you think would kind of make a, a large impact for, for Huntington's patients and particularly for the physicians who are, you know, trying to treat and, and improve the lives of their, these patients? Yeah, I think, I mean, my opinion from the out, you know, when we think about trials, the hardest thing about doing disease modifying trials is not only knowing what are the right patients, but also what's the right outcome. And I think the community is really working at trying to come up with better outcome measures that track disease progression. And, and I think those outcome measures are going to be, you know, combined uh, patient reported outcome measures, also some objective measures of, of disease state. But I, I really do think that that's a, a critical aspect that we need to work on as a community to really decide what are the right outcome measures for these patients. Um, I think also an area that I'm excited about, and I think a lot of different groups are working on, are wearable sensors. And of course, this is not unique to Huntington's disease, but Parkinson's disease, for instance, has had some recent discussions of how wearable sensors may be observing um, changes in patients that, that you know, quantitative clinical, clinical metrics or not. So I really think that uh, looking for how wearable sensors can be used in these disease-modifying trials, I think that does offer a lot of a benefit uh, for, for some of these questions. So those are two areas that I'm, I'm looking forward to in the, in the near future to really help us um, get these trials right. For all of us at Managed Carecast, thanks for listening. For more about this issue, see the rare disease section on HAMC.com or visit NeurologyLive.com or follow us on Twitter at HAMC underscore journal. And if you like Managed Carecast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.